Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Bob O'Connor. Bob has worked with clients such as Architectural Digest, Bloomberg Business Week, ESPN The Magazine, and the New York Times Magazine, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Bob about how he went from studying architecture in college to finding his love of photography. And I also speak to him about some of his experiences photographing uh, SpaceX launches and NASA. Just really interesting photos that he's been photographing for, for years now and much, much more. Uh, Bob's someone whose work I've been following for years. Um, he lives in my area, but never had a chance to connect. So I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, Bob O'Connor, man, welcome to the podcast. Uh, excited to talk to you. Um, like I said, I was been following your work for years in the Boston area, so I was excited to learn more about you. Um, but I guess to start off, like, how do you kind of where do you grow up, and how do you kind of get into photography initially? Yeah, I'm a lifetime Massachusetts guy, like yourself, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like everyone else in the photo industry, I was like a teenage skateboarder, and that was really the introduction to me taking photos. Wow. Uh, um, it's like shooting your friends and stuff, skateboarding in the neighborhood or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. Were some of like what? what uh, were some of the pro skaters back then when you were kind of coming up? Oh, I guess that was probably like Ed Templeton. Oh, okay. uh, that kind of New Deal. Hell yeah, classic uh, Powell man. people. That's cool, man. I saw like Powell demo in '89, I think, with uh, Tony Hawk and all of them. Nice. When they came, were on their like world tour and came out to Massachusetts. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so at that point, what was kind of like the first camera you picked up when you kind of started shooting, I guess? I think I probably borrowed someone's camera, or I definitely borrowed someone's camera. It must have been like a K1000, I assume, yeah. or definitely a uh, you know a camera that looked exactly like a K1000, so manual lens, 35, you know, black and white photos. That's cool. So that was like high school days, pretty much? Yeah. Yeah, we had like a shitty darkroom, or like... Nah, it was okay, I guess, for oh, high school. In the school? Yeah. That's cool. So that's how you kind of learn how to process films and things like that? Yeah. That's cool. Um, was there like kind of a point where you kind of, when did you start thinking this could be like a career for you, I guess? Oh, yeah. Certainly not back then. I don't think I ever really did. Um, I started in college in uh, engineering and then kind of like failed horribly at that with the physics and math classes I needed to take. And then I switched over to architecture, like, really quickly after that. Yeah. And uh, kind of did that for a long time, or basically did that in all of college, and took some photo classes, like, along the way, because it was in the same department. Mm -hmm. But um, it was never really a plan to become a photographer. It just kind of happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, because, like, looking at your work, a lot of your work is kind of, like, architectural-based a little bit. Obviously, you do a lot of other things. Um, was architecture like something you were kind of always interested in or how'd that kind of come in the mix for you? Yeah, I guess, um, 100% every photo I take is an architecture photo. Like that critical viewing of like the world, uh, has definitely been drilled into my brain. Um, but I ended up in the architecture program after the engineering. Cause like the whole goal I think was always to make things. And I guess, you know, as like a 16-year-old when I started college, I didn't fully understand what that, like the practical application of that, I guess. Um, so the architecture thing was kind of like a more creative way to make things than um, like super technical engineering things. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I kind of ended up in it that way. But I had one architecture job kind of at the end of school doing retail spaces for like... Uh, you know stuff in like shopping mall kind of stuff because that's how a lot of architects make their money mm. um and i didn't like that at all <laughs> and uh realized that making things in architecture was you know gonna be a compromise like everything is yeah yeah um so i kind of ended up in photography because of that and then you know based on architecture being so drilled into my brain the obvious first step was to kind of document architecture that's cool so when you're like an architectural school uh like at that point what did you think you were going to do like did you think you were going to design buildings what kind of were there like certain architects you liked any like style of architecture what do you kind of remember about when you're like studying architecture back then i guess yeah i mean the problem with school is that it never really like 
applies what you learn, how you actually make a living. True, true. And even in architecture school, um, I wasn't in like a graduate level program. So like real practical application stuff of like keeping a building standing up wasn't um, mm-hmm. really what we were studying. It was more about ideas and space in general. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really think that far in the future. Um but as far as architecture, um, I've always been interested in buildings expressing their structure. So the kind of more industrial stuff or even kind of like real practical architecture mm-hmm. that isn't overly um, fussy. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of represented in my photos, I think, a lot. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of photos were you taking? Like you said, you're kind of like you're in school and then you're kind of this basically taking photo classes here and there at school and whatnot. Um, what kind of pictures were you taking when you're kind of at that point, I guess? Um, I think back then the big dig was going on in Boston. So it was like one giant construction site. Yeah. And uh, I think I was photographing that a lot with kind of large scale, you know, ton of cranes, big hole in the ground kind of stuff. Mm. Um, like looking at how we were using space in the city or how they were changing the environment that we had. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what I still do. You know, that whole thing hasn't really changed all that much. I think there was a photographer. I remember reading an article. This is like over 10 plus years ago. There was a photographer that at the big dig, he would just like, he kind of snuck on. He got like a, a vest or something. I forget the guy's name. He got like a like a worker's vest and he would just kind of go down there. And people just thought he was supposed to be there. And he kind of was documenting. I forget who it was. But yeah, the big dig was wild. Um, when you were shooting it, uh, were you shooting four by five at that point or what was kind of, cause I know, I don't know a ton about architectural photography, but I think back in the day, four by five was pretty standard for architectural photographers. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd still be using that camera if I could, uh, <laughs> but the world moved on from us shooting large format film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Back then I had a four by five or schools four by five and then I bought one of my own and then I had a medium format camera too, but I really never used a 35 millimeter camera until I had to switch to digital cameras. Wow. So you're this four by five from the jump pretty much. Yeah. Everything's been a downgrade since then (laughs) pretty much. Uh, Uh, And it's been a struggle to, you know, like using a 35 millimeter camera after just the process of using the large camera. Yeah. What about the large camera? Like uh, for people listening that might be curious about like architectural photography, like what advantage does the four by five give you as like an architectural photographer? What what do you kind of enjoy about it? Well, I mean, I've never been like a fast shooter, so the need to be on a tripod was never a hindrance, which, you know, a lot of people think that is a hindrance. Um, but the, you know, the view camera allows you to have um, movements to keep all the vertical stuff vertical and, you know, change the plane of focus. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I use the tilt shift lenses on the 35 millimeter cameras now. So I sort of have a view camera, but it's still a, yeah. a, not a great comparison. And back then I was printing a lot. Um, so the large negatives, you know, made nice prints that still had tons of detail. Mm. No, that's amazing. So I guess like once you get out of school, what was kind of your 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 first step once you got out of architectural school? I think like you mentioned, you kind of had one job where you're kind of doing the retail stuff. But I guess once you got out of school, was there were you kind of taking your photography more seriously, or what did you kind of what was your next step? I guess. Yeah, out of school, I got a full time job uh, assisting an architectural guy. Uh, I mostly ran his darkroom, and uh, you know back then. Everyone was ordering C-Print, so I spent most of the time in the dark, but I used to assist him, you know, I don't know, maybe one or two days a week and spend the rest uh, doing printing for him. Mm. So I kind of, you know, learned commercial photography from that uh, little bit of assisting, or I guess a couple years of assisting that I did. Mm. Um, yeah. No, that's cool. So like like you you said, like people would be ordering prints. Like who is it that's ordering ordering prints? Is it like basically this is like corporate clients or what was kind of the day-to-day of that business, I guess, back then? Yeah, back then, the way uh, architects, for the most part, were his clients and they would hire him, would do a shoot, and then like the final deliverables for that were Mm C-prints, usually. Um, Then I guess the architects themselves would make scans or get them scanned at another place to get the digital files. But back then, people didn't really have websites and... You know, I guess the prints were used for marketing and probably physical portfolios. Yeah. Um, 
that doesn't really exist anymore so much with the architecture world. It's all digital and, you know, just things go on a website. But back then, the world was heavily print-based. Um, was, like, the printing and work in the darkroom, was that something you enjoyed doing? Or, like, is there anything you kind of took away from it you think spend that much time, like, this kind of printing someone else's work, you think? Yeah, I mean, in addition to that one, I also worked at other photo labs in Boston back when they existed. So, yeah, I've always really liked the darkroom um, especially making C prints, uh, you know, I see color really well. And I think to this day, I still like color correct everything I see <laughs> out in the real world, like billboards or bus wraps and that kind of shit. Like I can't not say like, oh, this would look better if that's, it was five, five points less yellow. That's too much magenta. <laughs> yeah. It's a real problem. You know, like everyone has this one thing they hone in on and mine is color reproduction out in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Is like printing your own work, is it something you still do at all, even like digitally or anything like that, or not so much anymore? I still have a print portfolio, but I haven't made real prints, you know, to hang on the wall to look at in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess I would like to, but I don't, yeah. I don't really know the venue at this point. Yeah, it's pretty tough, man. Like even like printing a book nowadays, like I printed a new one last year and it's like, it's so much work and it's a lot of money and it's just like... I don't even know who looks at them that much anymore. It's just like, because everything, I don't know about you, it's just everything moves so quickly. It's like people are either looking at your website or looking at your Instagram. It's just like, yeah, it's di it's different now. But you think it's important still having a print printed book, you think? Yeah, I mean, my background is in ultimately in printing was my intro to photography. So I still think it's important. Yeah. I mean, in portfolio reviews, it gets a little weird where iPad. You know, a lot of people have iPads, and I'm like the guy with the book. And I think, depending <laughs> on what generation you're from, that's either cool or you look like a Luddite and like, what the hell is this print thing you still have? You know? Yeah. There's a real like, you know, generational gap, I guess, in in the way that's received. Yeah, for sure. Like I've had it. Like uh, I've had our producers who I sat down with, and they're like, if you didn't have a printed book, I wouldn't even look at your work. And then other people, you know, iPad, they don't really care. So it's like it it goes either way, I guess. It's just yeah, like you said, a generational thing. I guess it ultimately doesn't matter that much, but I still like looking at photos on paper. Yeah. And if you're gonna meet with someone, you might as well have like something. Assuming you can make a nice one, like something tactile that isn't De another screen to look at. No, definitely. And I think it's like if you're gonna spend all the time, the years of like making like these projects and working on all the work you do, it just for me, I think it just shows your level of like commitment and like there's like a level of professionalism to it, like this having that finished product. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess like once you were kind of assisting the architectural photographer. Um, how did you kind of, did you start branching off on your own, like start shooting assignments or how did you kind of get in the world of like commercial and editorial work, I guess? Yeah. After spending, I don't know, probably two or three years in the dark room, I got real burnt out on that. <laughs> and that was kind of a tough thing to, you know, go spend the day in the dark. Not good for your health either. Huffing all those chemicals back then. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so I got super burnt out on that and was you know, shooting a little bit for myself, I guess. And so I eventually left that and tried to get more assisting work. Um, and that was sort of difficult. So at the same time was showing my portfolio around to local magazines to get shooting work and started getting hired for that. Um, so just kind of went that direction. Mm. You know, it was almost easier to get work shooting than it was to get assisting jobs. Really? Interesting. So it didn't, you know... Yeah. It just went where the work was, I guess. Yeah, because I think in Boston, like, back in the day, it wasn't, it was, like, all where Seaport is now, like, dudes would just have their studios, and what is that, uh, right where, like, Harper, Yeah, Four Point. Yeah, yeah, there'd be all types of studios down there and stuff. Yeah, um, multiple photo labs down there, too, like, yeah. three in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I think the there's camera one, store. Yeah, there's only one now, what, Color Tech right near South Station, I think that's the, la the last man standing, I think. Yeah, it's a whole crazy world over there now. Yeah, I don't know how they do it. Um but yeah, what were kind of some of the first assignments you got? Like what kind of stuff were you shooting? What do you kind of remember about like some of those first assignments you got, I guess? Yeah. I mean, the first ones were like quarter page front of the book, kind of architecture, real estate-y things mm. uh, that, you know, were no risk. So it wasn't a big deal to hire someone who didn't have a ton of commercial experience. I mean, not that I, you know, didn't do a good job, but mm. um yeah, architecture stuff for the most part. Like a, maybe like a single room interior or like a, you know, 
one exterior photo. Yeah. Did you have a kind of a goal for your work, like starting out where like there are any photographers you kind of like admired or anything, or was there like a magazine you were hoping to work with or what was kind of like starting out was what we kind of, I guess, uh, hoping for, I guess. I think coming from, uh, you know, the more academic side of photography, I was interested in, you know, Stephen Shore and Joel Sternfeld and that like large format color work uh, from the U S or the German, uh, like, Thomas Struth kind of like big photos of spaces. Yeah. And that was sort of the influence that I was coming from. And, you know, it was the, a goal or that I guess I'm still chasing to figure out how you apply that sort of look to commercial work. Mm. And so, you know, magazines seem like the obvious choice that you're sort of allowed to like look at a space without commercial implications on it. Mm. Um, but that's always been like a struggle to figure out how to apply commercial, uh, you know, commercial look to sort of more academic looking photography that isn't necessarily about like selling something. Yeah. Yeah. There's still like an artistic as- aspect to it. And so in the same realm, you know, working for architects directly is a good way to, you know, apply well, everything I knew up until that point. Mm. Is that something you were doing early on, or, or do you still do that now, like kind of work with architects directly on projects they're they're doing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like 50% architecture work for architects, and then, uh, you know, a mix of commercial and editorial things, sort of looking at architecture or technology-based mm. projects. And how do those projects usually work? Is it like they're, they're usually it's kind of building a new building or things like that, and... Do they kind of just kind of let you do your thing? They're like, hey, just kind of document this space? Or do they have a lot of, like, input into what they want? Or how do those kind of projects usually work for you, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the architects are doing the same hustle, and they need images for their portfolio to get more work, too. So it's just part of this, like, larger food chain. Yeah. A lot of those shoots, um, yeah, they're pretty heavily controlled. We'll have, like, a scout day and talk about what we want to do, and then... You know, the architecture photos for architects are really precise where we're moving around a pillow for like, you know, a half hour to get it in the right spot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then those go on to the to be used for their marketing. Yeah. Yeah, because for architects, they're looking for, they want to show all the details, the finishes and this kind of everything. Like uh, pretty much it's just kind of showcasing like the the specific things to whatever project they're working on kind of. Yeah, it depends on the architect. Uh, but yeah, there's the level of um, construction in the site, uh, in the building, and then, you know, the furnishings, but also a larger, like, structural spaces. And, you know, ultimately they're solving problems with a lot of the buildings that they want to convey when they're trying to market their services. So, you know, about being in a tough neighborhood to build in or, mm-hmm. you know, squeezing in a building in a tiny spot that doesn't have a lot of space and still make it a functional thing. So, yeah. you know, it varies with the client what we're trying to show, but sometimes it's, you know, kind of pure structural things and other times it's about the furnishings. And do you find that, like, uh, you've been doing this for a while, like, um, are, for, are all these architects, are they always shooting photos still nowadays? Because I've looked at, like, um, like lots of stuff, like, like they'll have like renderings and stuff, things like that. But is it still like a lot of architects usually still want real photos of their projects pretty much? Yeah. For the end result. I mean, it's tough to like market yourself only on renderings, I think. Cause yeah. it's like, it's easy to make a rendering look good, but it's <laughs> a lot harder to say like, this is what the actual building looks like or turned out like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, early on in the game, they'll, pitch the project with renderings but i don't think anyone is showing renderings as like a final mm. uh project no, that makes sense yeah it's a whole world that's one world i've never delved into so it's really interesting to kind of hear um but like when you're first starting out like how are you kind of getting your work out there was it just kind of like word of mouth um were you just kind of like hitting the pavement showing your book were you doing like print mailers or how are you kind of initially getting your your name out there in the world i guess yeah all that stuff uh back then it was a lot of uh cold calling, which, you know, wouldn't go over well today to just like pick up the phone and call people. But that's the way the world worked in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, so I just call people until they return my call or answer their phone and then try to get in there for a meeting yeah. and show them work with like a print portfolio. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I had a website back then, you know, it just sounds like a whole crazy time back then because everything was so different. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, no one really used email all that much. 
especially in like a marketing realm. Like, like there was no uh, MailChimp back then, and you had to really like fight to send an image in an email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in any if if it was any sort of mass emailing, it's like buffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be real picky about like how big the image could be, and like you know, not mess up someone's inbox. Yeah. And like, as you know, like a big part of this business, being a photographer, a lot of it is like a sales. It's, it, I always feel like it, a lot of it is that you're, you're a salesperson, you're, you're, you're trying to sell your work, your services. Is that something like you feel like you're always like good at, like when you're going to show your work, because it's like, I don't know, for me, I always struggle with it still now. It's just like, how much do you say to these people? Because there is a sense, I feel like you, have, you kind of have to hype yourself up into a sense because you want them to hire you. Is that something you feel like you've been good at or like it took you a while to kind of get comfortable doing that? Yeah, I'm not good at that <laughs> uh, and have never been. Yeah. I'm really uncomfortable with that. Uh, you know, I got into the photo world kind of by accident, I guess. And so... I guess didn't know what I didn't know yeah. uh, about the sales side of things. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I used to assist was pretty successful and always had work. So I didn't really kind of understand the struggle that was yeah. about to <laughs> fall on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough. It's tough on the sales side of things. Cause I really just want to make things. Yep. And I'm not particularly interested in selling things. No, no, no. And that's like, you know, 50% of the game, unfortunately. So yeah, uh, I try to find like-minded people to pitch uh, my sales do, and yeah. you know, I'm not trying to force people who don't care about my work to buy something from me. Like that's just never gonna work out. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go about it. Just kind of show them what you got, and they they want to work with you. They're gonna work with you. There's not really much you can do else. Like I know they have like these like portfolio shows where you can pay money and go show your work. I, I've done a few of them. Um, have you ever done any of those? Yeah, sometimes I go to those. It's easier to just give someone money and go to one place and like hustle your ass around in New York uh, for like a week, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so if everyone's going to be in the same place, yeah. like it ultimately works out the same in the end about the amount of money I would spend to go down to New York. Have you, have you found those to be beneficial at all or anything like that? You know, I don't think I've ever gotten any work from them. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think talking to people about your work is always beneficial. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with some of those is that people you know, you end up kind of with a random mix of people that you don't necessarily, you didn't necessarily pick yourself. Yeah. And those, and it's weird, uh, you know, everyone thinks that you're there to see them specifically. So when you're showing a work that isn't like completely terrible to them, people seem to like, I don't know, be confused or, or a little, I mean, not bent out of shape, but you know, it's like, if I both feel like I'm wasting their time Mm -hmm. and like, they don't really have any valuable input or anything to offer me. So yeah. Um, but you know, it's always, I don't spend enough time in New York, you know, meeting with people and it's hard, it's, man. it's good to get face to face with people, even if yeah they're not relevant. Not nah, definitely. Like I, I, I've gone to a few of those things. I have like mixed feelings about them, but like, yeah, like you're saying, I think it's just like anytime you can get in front of someone, uh, cause like these days it's like less and less, it seems like, but yeah, it's always interesting. Um, and you know, the thing like, I'm always kind of curious about, like, obviously, like, you get into photography for your love of photography. You want to create, like, interesting, um, cool work. Um, but at some point, you need to, like, make money from your work. Like, have you ever felt like you needed to create work that's going to, like, attract clients? Or do you kind of just, like, shoot what you enjoy, put it out there, and if someone wants to respond to it, that's fine. But, like, what's your kind of take, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle on that. Like, I know especially starting out, my work wasn't the most commercially viable. Like it didn't have an obvious like sales end to it. Um, so over the years, I've kind of softened up the like extreme view that I would actually have uh, <laughs> if there wasn't a need to make a living involved. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's um, I don't ever make like overtly commercial things because I don't really, you know, it's a be careful what you wish for thing. Like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to get hired for the super <laughs> commercial looking things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same point, I know that, you know, I need to make work that's still like has loosely it, commercially viable. Has, I like, I try to, to um, you know, ride that line between art and commerce as much as I can. Yeah. On, you know, preferably on the art side of things and not the commerce side of things. But yeah, um, it's a tough balance. I, str- I struggle with it. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle. Um, have you ever had, like, your, your with art, art stuff, have you ever had an interest in, like, the gallery world and things like that? Have you ever, like, d- delved into that kind of 
realm at all or yeah i mean starting out that was i mean maybe not like the full goal but i was definitely trying to like play that game a little bit yeah um and then the economy crashed and then like you know that market every like little niche in the photo world is like very particular and you kind of have to like put 100 percent hustle into one of them and it's tough to like spread yourself between multiple worlds yeah and after you know the economy tanked in like 2008 there when the photo world kind of blew up i uh you know put that aside yeah um but i would love to get back into making big prints to hang on a wall to look at for sure yeah, because, like, do you feel like you need to have, like, a niche in this business? Like, because, uh, like, some people try to, like, cater to a lot of different things. Or do you think it's important to kind of have, like, a distinct, like, niche for what you're doing, you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe a long time ago you could kind of be a generalist, but I think you need to come to top of mind if someone, like, is looking for something mm. and being the generalist. I guess once you already know the people, you know, maybe then they can hire for more stuff that you're not showing on your website. But yeah, I think you need to be pretty focused. Otherwise people don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, one thing I'm always kind of curious about with like photographers is like, is, is like style and aesthetic or things like that. Like, did it take you kind of a while to like find your voice as a photographer? Like obviously you said you had an interest in um, architecture and things like that. Um, but it kind of take you a while to kind of find your style or aesthetic or kind of your approach, you think? You know, I, I don't really think so. I kind of came from the architecture thing and I've always had this like really precise view of the world. Yeah. Kind of like a medium-ish wide shot <laughs> and like, you know, one point perspective. It really hasn't, I mean, I guess it's evolved, but I, you know, it's been pretty consistent, Yeah. which, um, I guess it's good and bad depending on how the industry feels about that look at the time. Cause like, how would you, I'm always interested, like, how would you, like, this is always the hardest thing to do. Cause even when people ask me this question, I have a hard time. How would you describe your work? If someone asks you like uh, to describe your work, you think? Um, I like to use the word severe in a positive way. <laughs> like it's really, um, you know, it's like a mediumish wide shot, kind of establishing a scene, yeah. uh, with a a ton of information that ideally you would view close up to really like move around the photograph. Um, you know, there's this Gary Winogrand quote that's uh, I photograph to see what things look like yeah, photographed yeah, yeah. or yeah. something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of like I feel like what I'm doing. Like I'm not really. Uh, you know, it's like, this is the thing and here's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But I try to like fill the photograph with a ton of information that you can, you know, move around in. Yeah. The thing I've always enjoyed about your work, it seems like you have this like real like uh, talent to like find like really interesting patterns. Like it might be like, uh, there's like one cool photo on your website. I think it's like inside of a theater and it's all these like red chairs. And this a lot, is that kind of something that always piques your interest in is finding kind of like interesting patterns or like for you, like you said, it's like color. Like I think there's another photo on your website where it's like a cranberry bog and it's just like the red cranberries, but they're like in this circle. And that's, that's one thing I always just kind of noticed about your work. There's this like, it's very like, I don't know if organized is the right word, but it's just like these patterns and things. Is that something that you're always just kind of looking for when you're out there kind of photographing, I guess? Yeah, definitely. Organized is the right word. <laughs> um, yeah, patterns and shapes and uh, things. And I guess like really kind of quieting down the scene too. Mm -hmm. Even in like a chaotic situation, I'm still trying to make like this peaceful, organized scene. Mm-hmm. No, that's interesting and like what kind of like like you shot so much editorial for so many different magazines like what kind of assignments kind of pique your interest most is it like is it like a style of building you like to shoot is it like a location um what kind of obviously you've shot like hundreds of assignments over the years but what kind of stuff you think kind of piques your interest and gets you excited more than others you think yeah i mean i think for editorial stuff specifically, I'm interested in the technology side of things. Mm. Um, anytime we can get on like a large scale infrastructure -y kind of project, that's ideal. Like a power plant or, uh, you know, energy projects are really cool. Anything where, um, you know, I can apply that large scale 
scene and then push in for more information for closer shots. Mm. Um, so more, um, more finished projects too. Like I do a lot of research based projects and that's generally like a super messy lab that we're in that doesn't necessarily allow me to take these like large scale photos. Mm. Um, but once whatever research is done ends up as like a project in the real world, that's when like the organization happens in the manufacturing. Um, so surprisingly like, um, textile mills from like a hundred years ago are like super organized and really clean, but Mm. you know, super high tech stuff from today is kind of a total mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like, that's another aspect of your work. Like, it's like, I really enjoy it. It's like either you have a section on your, on your site where it's like really nice houses, it's like amazing, like really cool architecture. But then like you said, it's like a uh, technology and like industrial stuff with the technology stuff is like, is technology something you've always just kind of been interested in? Like, I know you've done a lot of cool stuff for like MIT tech review. Is that a kind of a world? you're always kind of reading about and things like that yeah i've always been into the tech stuff yeah and all the assignments i guess are like a nice bonus to be able to see that stuff in the real world yeah i saw you just recently you i think you're shooting uh what is it the boston technology it's like robots oh yeah boston dynamics yeah what was that experience like because that's uh boston dynamics they kind of went viral like at least for me i just first heard about me like a year or two ago when they had that robot they built that was doing like box jumps and stuff yeah it's atlas yeah it was crazy i saw the one you posted i think on your instagram recently it was a little smaller robot but what was your kind of experience uh photographing those robots i guess yeah we got to meet atlas too so those photos are coming soon oh man um yeah so a lot of the robots that i see are uh like super prototypes that maybe don't fully work or only do one movement or you know or somehow handicapped that they're not nearly as cool as they should be Mm. for photos um but at Boss Dynamics, we got to see like operational robots that were running around doing stuff, yeah. which was just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, those videos on YouTube from Boss Dynamics are like, I've seen those too, and I always thought that was cool as hell. Yeah. And to get to uh, see Atlas in person and have him run around in my set uh, <laughs> was crazy. Yeah, I saw the one. You had the little one. It was like you even shot it like on Seamless, and it was kind of like moving around and stuff. Yeah, that's a new one that is a real world product that got released uh, beginning of September called Spot, which they're kind of selling to, um, well, they don't really say who they're selling it to. They're trying to partner with like uh, maybe construction companies or security for this robot to kind of wander around on its own. Oh, really? Yeah. Like it has like a camera on it or something like that? It has a lot of cameras mm-hmm. on it uh, and can run autonomously if you teach it the space. So mm-hmm. it can like, you know, check out the construction sites or... Uh, I don't know. Damn, that's interesting. Like, what was kind of your approach to that shoot? Because I've always found, at least for me, like, I wouldn't, I guess it's like a product in a sense, the robot. Like, how do you go into, like, making that look interesting, I guess? It is interesting, but, like, I've always, at least for myself, I've always struggled with, like, product and stuff like that. I guess, like, what was your approach when you kind of set out to shoot that assignment, I guess? Well, that assignment was um, sort of specifically to make these animations about movement. So we were kind of uh, already locked into what we were going to do and what they would allow the robots to do for us. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of negotiation about <laughs> about the movements that the robots would do, yeah. despite them like doing crazy shit that they wouldn't allow us to photograph. Yeah. Um, so those robots like seemed lifelike enough that I kind of treated them like <laughs> you know the the little guy was named Spot, and that's basically like a dog to me. Yeah, so I was true. trying to get it to do like stuff I would do with my dog, I guess. And then Atlas might as well just be a person wearing a robot suit running around. So, you know, I think it, it was kind of like photographing real people yeah, for to sure. try to show off and then, you know, try to show off their features or some of the details that they would allow us to show off. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, another one I was really excited to talk to you about you this, I think just recently had the cover at MIT tech review. I believe it was like, uh, one of your, the SpaceX launches, the rockets, um, yeah. How did that come about? Was that, was that an assignment for them or I, cause I know, I think for years you've been shooting that just for yourself, but like, how did that kind of MIT tech review cover come about? Yeah, that, um, was a photo from a SpaceX launch, but that's from a personal thing I've been working on for, I don't know, probably like four years now. Mm. Um, back, 
I guess I was looking for some personal project to work on that involved technology and science and was like a large scale thing and uh, that I could also get access to, which is a problem with a lot of technology or large scale things, you know. Um, So that seemed like it all came together and would result in interesting photos. So I started going down to Florida to photograph some of the SpaceX launches. And back then they were um, just starting to try to land the rocket like that hadn't happened before. And I figured that there was probably some market for those photos. And it just, again, looks cool as hell. Hell yeah. Was like the space, like exploration and everything like that. Was that something you were kind of always interested in? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, I grew up like during the shuttle era. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't remember having like space toys or anything. <laughs> it was more like this visual thing though. It's kind of piqued your interest. Yeah. I mean, I think though... I can never take the photos. I'm just as interested in like the engineering of the rocket and like the Mm -hmm. hoses and super detail stuff as far as versus the um, science side of things. Yeah. That's interesting. And like, like you said, like getting access to those things, was it, did you kind of have to reach out to SpaceX to see if you can shoot those launches or how did that kind of work to the point where you actually photograph those uh, pictures, I guess? Uh, for the most part, NASA is the one who controls the media access, or I was only going to launches that NASA was part of. So they have a pretty simplified like accreditation process. So okay. um, MIT helped me out with getting like a backing for getting media credentials mm-hmm. to go down for that. Um, and then you still have to apply every single time and, you know, they say yes, but... Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So NASA actually oversees SpaceX's, like, uh, some of their stuff, their launches, I guess? Well, SpaceX is, like, effectively like FedEx for space. So, like, if you have something you need to put in space, you hire a rocket company to send it to space. So if um, whoever has the payload on the rocket has some say over who gets media credentials for that launch in addition to SpaceX. So when NASA has a payload that's NASA, they set up media credentials yeah uh, for that and if it's like a you know foreign government or a private company spacex has their own media um credentialing process but i started out going down for the nasa ones because that was the path of least resistance okay interesting and like what's your approach to those shoots like is it i've always wondered because i'm looking at those photos i'm like is he just like shooting with like a long lens or is it like he shoots are you setting up remote cameras or how do you kind of approach those shoots because it's like it only happens once so you got to make stuff work i guess right yeah yeah i mean it's been a learning process um, you know, people have done it forever, but when you're there for the first time, it's still like a learning process, you know, for everyone else. Yeah. Um, the cameras that are really close to the rocket are set up remotely and are operated by sound. So when the rocket lights itself on fire, it's like loud as hell and the cameras just hold down the shutter until it's quiet again. Wow. Um, and then, you know, anything else is a long lens because the people have to be three, three miles away usually. Oh, wow. Damn. So you really need like a 600 or something. And even then, you know, this whole event is basically like a minute of viewing Mm. and then it's gone. (laughs) So like, what do you, in terms of like gear, what do you normally, for like the, for instance, like the MIT cover, which I don't, it looks like it was shot like at night. Um, I could be wrong, but like on a shoot like that, what did you kind of bring with you? What was kind of your setup to capture that shoot, that, uh, uh, launch, I guess. Um, when I go down to set up remotes, I usually bring five cameras and, um, cause that's as many cameras as I can fit on my carry-on bag on the plane. <laughs> I'm at max capacity there. Uh, also, there's a real limited time to set up the cameras, so by myself, that's the most I can manage. And I'll set up three or four remotely at the launch pad with a different uh, view, and then have one or two with me uh, to do those like wider shots. So, you know, it's a real crazy range of lenses from like super wide. I think that MIT cover was probably shot with the 11 to 24. Okay. And then, but, you know, I'll bring, I guess, a five or 600 or with teleconverters or something to get a long lens shot. Because, like, the event is so short that you, like, kind of need to discover it as much as you can. And I know as soon as I don't bring the long lens, like, something cool will happen or... (laughs) It's a real, uh, like, fear of missing out thing where you just try to, like, yeah, it's a get lot of, as much as you can in that little amount of time. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. You travel all the way down to Florida, and the thing, it's like, like you said, it's just like a minute, minute and a half, and that's it. It's just like, it's just go time. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I've also got on there, and the launch has never happened, and I just pack all the shit up and come home. Oh, really? The, yeah, because they cancel them a lot, right? Yeah. It's sort of, like, miraculous when they launch on time. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so it's not a problem if you live in Florida, where, like, you know, more than 50% of the people that are photographing live near um, the Space Center, but when you're coming from out of town and have to, like, plan ahead and be there for a couple of days and then it gets canceled that's a real bummer damn that's wild they normally cancel them for what this technical reasons or weather is it just kind of they don't even really tell you probably oh no you know why it gets canceled but yeah, yeah there's like really strict weather rules um sometimes the the rockets launch out over the ocean um in case they blow up they like you know don't fall over land but the ocean has to be clear under the path so if there's there's been launches canceled because there's been a boat in the exclusion zone. Oh, wow. Like, they still won't launch then. But stuff like, you know, the weather, the rocket can have technical problems itself. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff that I didn't realize before going down there can go wrong or cause problems and delays. That's amazing. And with, like, the MIT cover, um, like you said, you've just been working on this for years, this for yourself. Like, once you shot that, did you just kind of, like, bring it to MIT Tech Review just to kind of see if they had any interest? Or how did that kind of all come together to the point where they ended up using it for the cover? Yeah, well, this year was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo mission, so pretty much every technology magazine had a space issue out this year. So uh, they ran it for that. But, yeah, I mean, over the whole process, I've been kind of pitching this project to various people um, to see if anyone had interest in it. Um, cause it's also been the evolution of SpaceX, like learning how to land stuff mm-hmm. is when I started this, they hadn't landed anything. And now I think they're on their 44th successful landing. So like it's, it's more newsworthy if they don't land a rocket now than if it, than if they do. Yeah. That's cool. And like, um, are you still interested in shooting more of that stuff or anything kind of in the pipeline? You think you're going to keep shooting the launches and whatnot? Um, I don't go down there that much anymore cause I've kind of, taken all the photos i can take to some extent they the one part of being in the media is that they really limit your access to where you can go and set up cameras so you kind of end up taking the, the same, same photos every launch yeah um but this year or maybe next year at this point um the astronauts will be launching from florida again for the first time since the space shuttle retired yeah so i'll probably go down for those that's cool because um, there'll again be some like newsworthiness to that no, it's awesome. And, you know, one project on your site I was kind of interested in talking to you about, I think it's called Fogo Island. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I was kind of curious what that was. Where Where is that? And, like, how did that kind of all come together? Because it's, like, anybody listening, go check out Bob's site. It's called Fogo Island. I think it's under your project section. It's, like, these really, like, interesting houses kind of out. In, I don't know where it's at, but, yeah, what is that project all about? Yeah, Fogo Island is correct. It's a tiny island off the coast of Newfoundland Okay. in Canada. Um, yeah, that was a personal project. I think I either saw that those um, their artist studios for this um, residency project that exists there. Um, I either saw it on Instagram or or maybe on an architecture magazine. Yeah. Um, they're done by these Norwegian architect, and they're these really like discreet little. Um, artist studios in the landscape and uh yeah i just went up there for a couple of days to have a look at those and i don't know i guess try to pitch it to someone but it was mostly just a personal project to look at architecture no it looked awesome so is this one architect and are like all those houses kind of like in one area pretty much no so initially the project or the res- artist residency project uh, was spread out. So Fogo was kind of like the size of Nantucket, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they have four studios that are spread out in different towns on the island. And the artist was supposed to, like, live in the studio and then interact with the residents of that town. And, like, you know, it was a community building thing. Yeah. So they're not really close to each other in terms of, like, uh, you know, yeah. being in a small place. Uh, they're all in distinct places and, like, site-specific to that place of what shape the building is or what the view is yeah no they looked amazing because it's like like he said all the houses are like interesting shapes and this like the landscape is like really amazing um like another thing you have a really awesome project i i first saw it like years ago um um you went to iceland 
uh, and shot these amazing landscapes. Uh, what was kind of your experience going out there? Because it looks like I've never been there, but looking at those photos, it looks like you're on like Mars or something. It looks like such an interesting place. Yeah, Iceland is awesome. Um, I think I went there 15 years ago for the first time, and yeah. I've been back a lot, and I'm going next week oh, again. No. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, can't say enough good things about Iceland. Uh, it's completely played out, and the world doesn't really need to see any more photos of Iceland. Nah, but it's more. Still, no way, man, more. It's still so awesome there. <laughs> did you go there, like, the first time you went there? Did you go there in mind of, like, oh, I'm going to try to, like, create a project? Or was it more just you kind of just went out there for this vacation? Or, like, how did those photos kind of all come together, I guess? Yeah, I mean, everything is kind of a photo project, you know? Like, I went on vacation, but I was there to take photos at the same time. Yeah. Uh, we went for two weeks that first time, I think, mm. and drove around the whole country. Mm. Uh, you know, back then, not that many people had been. It wasn't, like, super popular like it is now. Um, so I wasn't, you know, sure what we were getting into, and it was, like, true exploration back then yeah where now i like have a really specific plan and know exactly what i i'm gonna see yep at this point um yeah i mean again that was just a personal project that i was trying to pitch either to the art world as like you know art prints or getting commercial people interested in something but that's another case of like there's real no commercial application to those photos yeah um, no, there is. Someone's going to pay you a lot of money one day. I haven't but... figured out. I've been going to Iceland a lot, and no one's paid me to go. It's gonna, no, one, it's gonna no one's happen. hired me for a job there yet. Uh, is that, like you mentioned it, like obviously a, a couple of times, pitching stuff. Is that something you, you've always done? Like, have you found it's been beneficial sometimes? Is it like something you do a lot, pitching magazines? I don't think I do it enough, but I definitely do it. Mm. Um, you know, if there's something, it's... I would say it's for selfish reasons that I do it. Like if I'm trying to get access to something or want to see something hell yeah, and can't um, get in there myself, having the backing of a, you know, a giant media company gre- yeah. greases the wheels a little bit. Most definitely. I think it's like so smart to do. I wish I did it more too, or, or I, I do it. I've been doing it more and it's, I just found cause like magazines need ideas because they, they're always looking for new ideas. And if you're going to like, you're going to make that photo writer's job a little bit easier if you just, like, present ideas and, like, get shit done, it feels like, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's just been a matter of, like, trying to figure out a real commercial mm-hmm. end of things, which mm-hmm. is my ongoing mm-hmm. ongoing battle. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of people, it seems like in the last, like, five, ten years, people think, like, they need to do motion work. Is that a world that you ever felt like you needed to delve into? Because um, I know some people do still, some people do still and motion. What's kind of your your take on that, I guess? Yeah, I don't have a great answer for that. <laughs> I think um, I don't particularly want to do motion work. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't know what the motion application is for what my photographs look like. Mm-hmm. Or what an architecture motion piece looks like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess it happens less now, but maybe like five years ago, every magazine was always like, can you pick up some motion stuff at the, or tagging on motion stuff? And they didn't even know what they were doing with it. Nah. That, that ask isn't happening as much anymore. Yeah. Because I guess everyone realized maybe they don't need that motion stuff that they're not going to use. People are just talking about it. Like I had it happen this summer. I did a thing for Bloomberg and they, they had me like, uh, they're like, yeah, can you get some motion stuff? And like they paid me a little bit for it. It was just tacked onto the print. But then they didn't even do anything with it. It was just so funny. Yeah. I And it occupies such a different part of my brain when I try to do the motion stuff. I do do a little bit of it for Wall Street Journal when we shoot real estate things, mm-hmm. which are like, you know, no audio, just kind of panning shots and like walking through the space. But, you know, to turn that into like a real production that looks really good and looks, yeah, you know, as good as I would want. It's another a motion thing to look is really a lot of work. Yeah, it's a whole nother skill set, and there's a lot of different tools you need to pull it off right. It's just, uh, I'm always just kind of interested because I always just hear people talking about it. Um, and, you know, I was really excited to talk to you, uh, being a big baseball fan. Um, you have some really interesting photos. You went to Fenway Park and shot like some cool, there's like a shot like you're on the field with like the greens, pe- the field guys who take care of it. And you had some really cool shots. What was that? What was those photos for? I guess that was a project for ESPN magazine. Rest, uh, in, rest pe- in peace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
where we uh, spent the day with the grounds crew to learn how they put the logos in the grass. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, the groundskeeper at Fenway is the nicest guy I've ever met. Yeah. And like made sure we had a good time despite like him needing to do a job. Like forced, uh, you know, forced me and my assistant to take a photo at home plate. He took the camera away from me and took a photo of us. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so we learned how to put stuff on the grass. But got to like have free reign on the field, which felt really weird just to go run around the infield. Yeah, the grass is crazy. I've been there once, and it's just it's almost it's so like, smooth. It's like carpet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really yeah incredible how flat they keep the field. So what was kind of for ESPN? What what was that article all about? Like what were they looking to capture? I guess when you shot those photos, uh, they used to have that zoom section in the front of the book, which is kind of just like one big photo with a couple facts next to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was for one of those. Oh, that's cool. Where they just, I don't know, wrote about how you mow the grass or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember what the text was, but uh, that's interesting. It had a little bit of data with it, but not like a huge essay. Yeah, for sure. And I guess um, for like this business is there's a lot of ups and downs, and at least for me, I've I've been doing it ten years, and it seems like it's always changing. Like for you, like how do you kind of, how do you stay sane in a business where it's just a lot of ups and downs? Um, what kind of keeps you going? I guess. Yeah, it's definitely a roller coaster. Um, I guess I like you know take the dog out, <laughs> ride my bike when it gets slow. <laughs> you know, the, I guess the the one positive of being slow is that you have time to do other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, you know, comes with the territory mm-hmm. of not having a, a nine to five that sometimes it's going to be slow. Mm. Um, I would say I'm not great at that. Uh, it's definitely like an anxiety filled time, even though so far it's always worked out that we come out on the other side and, yeah. you know, people start calling again. But um, not sure what's going to happen with the next recession that comes <laughs> up and how that's going to yeah affect the photo industry yeah it's wild man like just seeing all these different magazines kind of go out of business like not i mean like espn's still around but the mag their magazine's gone um and even some magazines are printing less like i think rolling stone do- only does like i think they do uh they used to do two issues a month now they're doing one um i guess in your time shooting editorial have you seen it change a lot um even in terms of like this the rates uh what were some of the changes you've seen kind of happen since you've been in this business, I guess? Yeah, definitely less magazines, less money, less frequency. I mean, the crazy thing is that there's, I guess I maybe started an editorial, I don't know, 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the rates for a lot of magazines back then were like 500 bucks plus expenses. Yep, that's... And that's a pretty much still what the rates are for a lot of magazines. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, the world's gotten a lot more expensive in the past 18 years. Shit. Um, Especially where we live in Boston. <laughs> you know, and I think, and then a lot of magazines went to like a flat fee, mm. which is ultimately even less money. And then like a lot I, of people, it seems more they want like uh, perpetuity. They just want to be able to use your photos basically forever. I've been seeing that language pop up in some contracts I've been seeing lately. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a. I don't think it's great news for anyone. Yeah. I'm having a hard time finding like a positive spin on yeah. the decline of editorial. Yeah. As much as I love working for those projects and you know the doors that that sort of access to cool stuff has opened up for me. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like it's interesting because we're in a age of like uh, like social media and like so much digital contents out there. I think there's always going to obviously be a need for photography, but I think now it's just like, I don't know the answer, but just trying to find ways to like, who can buy these photos? Where, where can they live? Cause like we say, like there's not as many magazines. So yeah, I don't know. I, sometimes I'm hopeful and then sometimes I just get real stressed out, but it's a, it's a weird, weird, weird world, man. Um, it's not really a question, but it's always just, it's always just good to like hear other people's input, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't see like, or even ESPN stopping print, like none of that money that they spent on print is going to like come back for digital. I don't think, mm. you know, so even if all that stuff still exists on the internet, I don't think they're ever going to spend what they used to spend on print for the same stories that run on the internet. Yeah. Because and it already wasn't a lot of money sometimes to begin with. So I don't, 
I yeah. don't know where this goes. Yeah, I don't know. We're getting real doom and gloom here. <laughs> I'm going to try to turn it around. <laughs> Photography is still fun. I guess that's my answer. And my question It's it's like, yeah, yeah. The experience is still great. It's still exciting for you to get like a cool assignment and like this kind of delve into it pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing better than just going somewhere you haven't been before. Yeah. Spending a couple hours learning something and then just getting out of there. Yeah, looking at some of like the interior shots of these houses you photographed, like they're like ridiculous houses. Like, like what are most of those being shot for? Like, is it like you said you shoot a lot of stuff for the Wall Street Journal? Um, is it mostly for architects? Because like some of these houses, they look like the houses you see on like TV, like crazy, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's either for the architect or editorial stories about those mm -hmm. houses. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to so many of those houses that I'm pretty numb to all that stuff now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm interested in, like, really stupid stuff when I go there, like what kind of mechanical systems they have or, like, I'm really into radiant heat. <laughs> Radi and, and, and so, like, seeing the controls for their radiant heat system <laughs> is, like, the most exciting part of seeing that stuff for me. Oh man, that's hilarious! They don't got heated floors. <laughs> I, you know, I'm always asking for like the tour of the basement so I can check out the stuff that no one cares about. Yeah, um, yeah. One house I photographed had a radiant heat driveway, which is like the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen. Damn. So like was... New, Eng New England winter, shitload of snow, driveway bone dry all year because the, the that driveway's much? just heated. Yeah, yeah. That just seems like sketchy though. I don't know. <laughs> it's wild. It was a real nice house. Damn. Um, that obviously costs a ton of money, but is there like any bucket list, like in terms of like architectural things? Is there any anything you're you're hoping to shoot down the line that's kind of like would be like a dream project for you? You think? You know, I don't really think I have any real bucket list architecture things. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of interested in, I guess, more uh, public institutional buildings. Uh, you know, like museums and libraries and that kind of space. Mm. I think are generally pretty interesting and you know a little less commercial than a house or like a university building would be where it allows a little more freedom in both the architect making a nice space that doesn't have like such a pure commercial application to it but also the opportunity to take photos that aren't like so commercial and are more about the experience of the building mm. um yeah, what, ah. what project that attaches to, I'm not quite sure right now, but, yeah, you know, I guess, well, I don't live in L.A., but everyone photographed the new Broad Museum, like, when that came out. I'm, I know you've seen photos of that, even yeah, if you yeah. don't think you have, like, yeah. those sort of projects, yeah. um, I think, are kind of the most interesting from an architectural standpoint. No, it's interesting. I've always, you, you ever uh, heard of that guy, Louis Kahn? Yeah. Yeah, his architecture, anybody, he, I don't know if you saw it, he had a documentary come out about him called My Architect. Did you ever see that? Yeah. That guy lived a wild life, and his architecture, he had some really interesting buildings. Like, even you, you had a, a some cool photos on your site. I think it might have been for Boston Magazine. Um, there's, like, I don't know if it's, like, City Hall or one of those buildings downtown Boston that they're literally just made out of concrete. Yeah, um, I shot a whole project about concrete last year for Boston Magazine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, those buildings, you know, get a bad rap, but, uh, you know, for the most part, they're good. And City Hall obviously gets a bad rap, yeah. but, like, there's no other space in Boston that has a plaza that can hold that many people. Mm. Like, where would we have the uh, sports rallies after they won if we didn't have City Hall Plaza? Yeah. You know, there's this need for this space that, unfortunately, is not occupied, you know, yeah. most of the year. But once it's occupied, like if people saw that space occupied, they would have a better understanding about how that space works and why it's there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, your photos came out really cool. Like they're, they're like black and white and this like the shadows from the time of day were really amazing. Um, was the black and white, was that like uh, your creative approach? Did the magazine say they wanted black and white or what, how did that kind of all work out? Yeah, that uh, that was definitely my idea or well, I pushed that hard. Um, Unfortunately, we did that project at a time of year that wasn't great, mm -hmm. and uh, concrete buildings don't look that great in the winter as it was, So, and they're kind of about form to begin with, so it was easier to just remove all the color and make them kind of contrasty black and white to mm -hmm. really accentuate the buildings themselves and you know all the texture and, uh, that exists in that concrete form. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Boston in December is 
pretty sad, <laughs> pretty sad looking time to be taking architecture photos. So I had to, uh, you know, no, nah, I loved it, man. And the and poster a little bit. No, nah, I really enjoyed it. It came out great. Um, but I guess to wrap up, like, um, yeah, I guess like, I guess I kind of asked like any goals for the future, any, like it doesn't even have to be architecture or anything you're hoping to work on, I guess, down the line. You know, still just trying to get access to cool spaces and uh, see what the future of technology is. Yeah. Cool. Well, Bob, can't thank you enough, man. Like I said, I've been following your work for years. Big fan. And for people listening, like, where's the best place to check out your work? Uh, the internet's still the best place. Uh, BobOConnor.net is the site. And then uh, Instagram is underscore BobOConnor. Perfect. I'll link it and people go check it out. And uh, thanks so much. Cool. Thanks, Alex. So there you have it. That was the Bob O'Connor interview. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, just want to say thanks so much for uh, Bob for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him. Like I said, I've been a big fan of his work for years. Been following it. Everything he's been shooting with SpaceX and NASA and all his interesting architecture and editorial work. Just really great stuff. Um, so definitely go check out Bob's website at boboconnor.net. Uh, really cool projects up there and different editorial stuff he's been working on over the years. Um, so definitely go check that out. As well as his Instagram, it's at underscore Bob O'Connor. Uh, definitely go give him a follow and uh, see what he's been working up on. Um, so yeah, thanks so much, Bob. And as always, I'll be having uh, uh, podcasts. Uh, lately, not weekly. I've been kind of every other week. Um, but every month, I'll be having new podcasts up. So definitely stay tuned. I got uh, some interesting ones coming up. And thanks so much for taking the time to listen. And you can always check it out on iTunes, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much.